1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
0: On this episode of the Fieldhouse Files, I'll be joined by Kevin Bowen of 107.5, the fan in Indianapolis to discuss his new role, the co-host of the new morning show. We'll touch on sports media as well. The Pacers completing phase one of their season and where they go from there. And welcome into the Fieldhouse Files, the podcast where I take you behind the scenes with the Pacers, talk to individuals on and around the team, and tell you what you need to know. Well, I'm recording this before the Pacers host the Lakers, got together with KB, to record this before we both uh, celebrated Thanksgiving. So first of all, happy Thanksgiving. Hopefully you were able to spend it with family or someone you care about. And I want to thank you, express my gratitude for you being part of the Fieldhouse Files community, family. I appreciate it because you are what enables me to keep going and following this team on a daily basis. Well, as for the Pacers, they're 8-11 and 11, as of this recording, having completed finally that terribly difficult portion of their schedule. Twelve of those first 19 were on the road. And I was talking with some of the coaches. They had realized this team had only been home for about two days since the start of November. They would get back in the middle of the night, maybe play that day, or spend the night, and then take off for their next venue the very next day. So that was very difficult, so now they're able to settle in a little bit, be back around family, some of them with little ones, of course, and um, going 500 had to be about the goal, a reasonable goal going into it, and they are just short of it at 8-11, and but I think we're starting to see progress, and the team knowing what it needs to do, it's just a matter of going out there and executing. Well, today I'll be joined with Kevin Bowen. Like myself, he's from Indianapolis, grew up following the Pacers and all of Indy sports. We both went to IU, had so many classes together, but then we ended up on the same path covering Indy sports teams. KB was on the Colts beat, myself, of course being on the Pacers beat since graduation years ago. Well, on this podcast, we'll talk about that morning show of his, having to get up so early, something I couldn't do, and interacting with fans because being there at the fan, that's the station you want to be part of. it It's all one conversation. And fun fact, I actually interned back there with Kravitz and Eddie over a decade ago. So I was there as an intern years and years ago under the guidance as well of Kent Sterling. I also touch on the Pacers with him, running it back for another season. We get into some fan apathy, a little bit sports media talk, podcasts, that type of thing. But it's also a way for you to get to know KB a little bit and also hear about this new opportunity. He'd obviously been with the station for a couple of years, and then there was an opening. And of course, KB was the perfect guy there at the right time. And his co-host, Jake Query, North Central guy like myself. So I'm also a big fan of that. And I should note... I join the show each Thursday morning at 8.30 in the a.m. Yes, that's my wake-up call every Thursday. But if you want to hear me with them, 8.30 every Thursday. And if you want to read my work, you got to make sure you've joined the community at FieldhouseFiles.com. Subscribed so that you get every story direct to your inbox when it's published. You get it before anybody else. That's daily coverage for less than $5 a month. Because, listeners, I have a special deal for you. 25% off for the next 12 months, fieldhousefiles.substack.com slash podcast to get 25% off. Now, let's get into my conversation with Kevin Bowen, co-host of Kevin Inquiry on 107.5 The Fan in Indianapolis. All right, Kevin now joins me, the ho- co-host of the Kevin Inquiry show. And Kevin, this has to be a special opportunity. I think you've been going for a month or so now um, with with jakers at least feels that way um but you've been rolling in that seat for several months has it been able to settle in now with a cold season full go on top of this kind of transition this fresh start and sweet opportunity you have at
1: 107.5 yeah I, I think so and first thanks for having me on man i always enjoy listening to Fieldhouse files i so appreciate it um but yeah you know it's kind of funny i've been telling people it's, it's been a, a bit of a blessing and a curse i would side more with the blessing because it is such an awesome opportunity um, and the blessing has just been content wise. Yeah, Um. I think I officially started, I want to say like day three or four of Colts training camp. Um. And then boom, that just like feeds into college football, feeds into college basketball, the NBA, obviously. So in our market, you know, with two professional sports teams, football, basketball, and then how much we love college sports, it's like it's such a blessing in, in terms of content. Um, But the curse has been like, oh, wow, (laughs) Um, 7 to 10 a.m. every day is like (laughs) that is a lot. And obviously I'm doing what I love, uh, but it has been one of those things where, um, you know, you got to have that green light and and be full go on, uh, you know, 7 a.m. So that's been a a little bit of adjustment for me. I'm probably more I I know I'm more of a morning person than you are you are certainly much more of a night out than I um so that that's been a little bit just like the west coast trip when the Pacers were out there and you know when you get into big 10 season and some nine o'clock tips for Indiana and Purdue uh but yeah I'm loving it and, and I do feel like Jake and I have um started to create a little bit of chemistry now approaching about a month so it's been really really fun
0: and one of the special things I think is you two are from here you're all Indiana as much as like myself as well and so You know the nuances, you know how teams have been covered, you know, old inside jokes, things like that. And quite honestly, you take a pride in not team success, but by the team having success, we all see everybody's in a happier mood day by day. It's really amazing.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm glad you said that. It's something, you know, I didn't know Jake super well before we teamed up. It's something I always admired about him from afar is just how much civic pride he has. And Mm -hmm. honestly, his pride certainly publicly extends, you know, much deeper than just, you know, Colts, Pacers, uh, whatever, Indiana, Purdue. Um, And I'm probably not as kind of outward with it, you know, like on social media or things like that, but it's always had a, you know, kind of a close place to my heart as well. So um, I think both of our passions there, that's kind of the root of the show. and, And I hope people feel that because I do think our market is very special from a fan base standpoint. And, you aren't going to hear a whole lot of national sports chatter <laughs> with us unless, you know, there's some relevancy towards, you know, somebody here from an athlete, coach, team standpoint. Um, you know, 7 to 10 a.m., we want local sports. We know people are driving into work and, you know, maybe you're on a date last night or, you know, whatever. What'd you know, you know your, your wife or somebody had the remote and so maybe you didn't get a chance to watch the game. So just provide a little bit of that and, and balance I think what, you know, how special we feel living in this community um is what we wanted to be all about.
0: Yeah, Jake and myself, North Central guys, you went to Cathedral. And for fans that don't know me and you kind of came up similar in that, both went to then IU, and we had so many classes together. You trended towards more Colts. I trended more towards Pacers. And on top of doing your, your Colts coverage, now, of course, you're hosting this daily show. And I think the other challenge in all this, and this is a good problem to have, but in addition to the morning, which is terribly difficult, I think, is is the fact that there is so <laughs> much going on, and you you kind of have to pay attention to everything. So you have to bump into that Purdue game and at least catch a half. Here, let's let's see what the IU coaches are talking about after the game. Oh, th- this happened, this Indy five hundred announcement. So you really kind of have to master all of it, um, which which can be time consuming because there is so much going on. It's a delicate balance, right?
1: Yeah, it definitely is, and you know as a Fan, like I always did that but you got to be a little bit more diligent now in terms of you know kind of being locked in because you know obviously Jake's background is predominantly in, in IndyCar and you know watching it from afar I've always enjoyed it but you got to be a little bit more diligent about that um, but typically when I wake up in the mornings I, I start prepping you know kind of like after Colts games wake up around 4 30 the other day is pretty much at oh. five. First thing I do is dial up the Pacers press conference from the previous night you know, I'm typically not watching that at 9:30, 10:30 at night, and so you know, listen to you and Pat and and James Boyd and you know whoever else you know asking questions in there, um, just to kind of get a little bit of background on you know, okay, what did Carlisle, what did you know the top three or four guys miss or say, I should say, what did I miss um, from that game? And then you do you sprinkle in some Mike Woodson, you sprinkle in some Matt Matt or certainly uh, you know Butler as well. Um, so yeah, it is something that where it's like, oh boy, we've got so many boxes to check. you don't want to forget about you know ball State playing on a midweek or you know high school sports with the state finals, you know Friday and Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend, things like that. obviously we'll have high school basketball starting up. so sure, Colts, Pacers, IU basketball, Purdue basketball, I mean those are our predominant storylines, but I also want to make sure that in this market, I think it's some other sports and some other, you know, levels also hold kind of a special place in people's hearts. So, you know, if we can spend two minutes on the Monon Bell game when it's Monon Bell week, (laughs) let's make sure that we slide that in as well.
0: And me and you both, of course, have a lot of friends that uh, care deeply about that game. So, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's an understatement. (laughs) Yes, so you can easily make a few phone calls and learn what really mattered and that type of thing or what jumped out at you. Is it difficult getting guests? I know... That's something you and your, your producer, Mark, have to probably have to plan ahead the night before, especially. But what is that like uh, early in the morning? Can you even get guests then or does it already have to be prepared?
1: You know, it's funny. That was my biggest worry about walking into the show to begin with. Um, you know, I know we have you on every Thursday, typically around 830. Like yep. Stephen Holder's like an 8 a.m. guest every Wednesday. So we do have some people kind of slotted in. Uh, Jeff Saturday joins us after, after every Colts game. Chris Denary always good about coming on once a week. Uh, but like when you think about it, you know, we have a, a pop quiz segment every 930 every show. Um, and typically it's hard to get anybody in the seven o'clock hour. So it's like you know, you've only got kind of 90 minutes of guest time. And the during that 90 minutes is also when like a ton of people are driving to work. So. You know, Jake and I want to make sure that at the same point we have guests, but like we want to be able to give our thoughts when, you know, people are are in their cars and it is our highest listenership. What has been funny about it, though, is the 7 to 10 slot works out great for Colts players. Um, so typically after every Colts win, I think we've had a player on this year. Um, for example, you and I are recording this on Wednesday, the 24th. Uh, we had Ryan Kelly on this morning at 7.05 and hell, he called us like at 6.58. I was like, geez, huh. you've got to be the, like, the earliest person in the world to come on the show. Uh, but the beauty of it was Ryan Kelly's driving into work. Yeah. Um. So he's like, I got a 20 minute ride. And like, <laughs> I thought it was one of the best interviews we've had. Like Ryan Kelly was terrific this morning. Um. And so what we ended up doing is it was such a good interview. It was 18 minutes long. We're like, all right, let's re- re-rack that in the nine o'clock hour And sure, you know, Jake and I, you know, we would like to still chat amongst ourselves, but we do realize that having a Colts player, especially a prominent one like Ryan, getting him into an audience that obviously, I mean, let's be honest, outside of my mom, who's listening at 7.05 and 9.05, you know, there's there's not a lot of people listening (laughs) at both those time slots, so we replayed that. So the fact that we do have an early morning show, it's not great for Pacers players. Obviously, it's not great for you know, whatever, uh, David Bell after a Purdue game. But it has been really beneficial for us with Colts players driving into work.
0: That's really interesting. I thought – I saw your tweet this morning. I thought for sure it was recorded probably a couple yeah. days ago and said, hey, let's run it this time and space them out type thing. That's fascinating. We've done – every Colts live.
1: player has been live this year. I want to say Danny Pinter after he scored that touchdown was 745. I know we had Taylor on at like eight one time. I think force Buckner at eight. So – Yeah, with them, Wednesdays is kind of their big day um, where, where, you know, it's it's a pretty 9 to – well, I mean, more like a 7.30 to 5 type of day at the facility for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So it really works out well for us. So uh, they've been great over there about that. And, uh, yeah, it's been been fun. You know, right now we have a consistent Hard Knocks, uh, the director of Hard Knocks with the the Colts being on that. So um, we're trying to find the balance of, like, two-ish guests per show – over the course of three hours, but at the same time, we want it to be interactive, and, and obviously we want Jake and I to have some time as well.
0: Yeah, and that to me that makes a lot of sense too because what, my only real criticism, honestly, of the Manning cast is I don't need four guests. I'm there to listen to Peyton and Eli both uh, be hilarious but also teach me about the game because they're doing yes. it like anybody else. That I would narrow that down to probably one per half, and make sure it's an incredible guest. So it kind of speaks to your point as well. Uh, for your show, you also need time for you guys to let off your opinion. And Jake's gonna tell a story. We know that, and, and I'm curious if you've heard it before, and you know how do you <laughs> respond to that and that type of thing. So it needs to be some of that playful banner as well.
1: I think I couldn't agree more. It's funny you bring up the Manny cast. You know there have been day you know Monday nights where I'm like, all right, I love three of these four guests, but like that's pretty rare. Um, so I think two guests for me. I, I would like that better because Eli just does an unbelievable job with Peyton and getting him to be unscripted. Yep. You know, Peyton is such a good politician when he's talking. And when it's scripted, he's wonderful. Um, but watching Peyton's body language and having little brother Eli put him in a few awkward spots over the course of three hours, it, me personally, it's what I love the most about the Manny cast. So, you know, it sounds weird and sounds a bit like egotistical, but like, at the end of the day, you know our listeners are tuning in to like Kevin and query So at, mm-hmm. at the same time, as much as you can provide unique insight because you're on the Pacers beat daily, you know Stephen Holder's at Kiefer have different sources and and, and they cover it in a different manner, Colts wise, you know things like that. Um, we also do want you know our listeners to hear us and and whatever formulate ideas about us, opinions, those things, join in on the conversation, all of that. And like in season, off season will certainly be be different. You know I think when you get into you know, whatever, May, June, July, those are opportunities to, you know, okay, maybe you bring somebody in for an hour and you can kind of play off them a little bit bigger picture stuff or things like that. But, you know, when you're in the season, there's so much to unpack, so much to uncover that there's plenty, plenty of content for both of us to talk for three hours.
0: We both hosted a show at IU. So I know you've been interested in sports talk radio for quite a while and in clearly earned your way you had already worked for the station for at least several years and basically been on what seemed like every show (laughs) as a guest or or really a contributor more than anything but growing up even through high school was did you figure more reporting or more sports talk podcasts that area
1: yeah, I'd say definitely the reporting side of it. Um, you know, I, I've told the story on air, but for those that didn't hear it, you know, I pretty much every morning would go downstairs, read the sports page with my dad. That yeah. was like a ritual from I mean, hell, probably 9 or 10 years old all the way through high school. Um, you know, kind of like learning how to do math via adding up Pacer's box scores. Okay, Reggie Miller was, you know, 8 of, you know, 16 from the field and, you know, 3 of, you know, 6 from behind the arc, kind of adding up threes and twos and things like that. Uh, but, again, back then it was the hard copy of the Indy Star. I mean, you know, I went to Cathedral High School, loved my experience there, but I'm not going to pretend to act like their, you know, audio TV program was anything to write home about um, certainly nothing to compare to North Central or something like that. So when I got to IU, I was I was coaxed. Um, you know, maybe honestly after after a drink or two and full <laughs> transparency, uh, by a buddy of ours, Frank Thurber. Um, he he kind of coaxed me into coming to the WIUX, uh, which is the call letters for IU Student Radio, coming to their call-out meeting. Um, and I was a sophomore at the time, okay. uh, so I remember seeing your face there and, and a little bit hesitant by it and very reluctantly said yes. um, And and I know I sound like very just kind of like, you know, probably, you know, TV or I should say like teacher TV of voice here, but like just the reps were invaluable and the trial and error of, you know, being on just one hour a week was, you know, just experience that it's hard to replicate in a classroom. So that's what really sparked my interest. And then you know, by the time you and I left college, Scott, I think you've done a great job of this. It's always something that I've really tried to drive home. You know, if you're not multi-platform, you're not going to survive. I mean, I remember going, you know, working for the Colts out of college and sitting down with Matt, Matt Taylor and saying like, why don't we have a podcast? Like, w- w- Why don't the Colts have an official podcast? Yep. Um, so we, we started that pretty early there and Obviously, had Bob Lamy on at various times, and players on, and you know, coaches in the off season, and things like that. So it just kind of evolved from there to where the written side of me and more the newspaper side of me, the principles and the root of all that still applies on podcast or TV or or video or radio. Um, but obviously, it's it's evolved for me into where now you know the audio medium, whether that be podcast or radio, is predominantly what I'm doing. But you know, still support with some written content on our website.
0: It's funny you mentioned pitching a Colts podcast. I did the same thing across town at Bankers Life Fieldhouse with the Pacers, and they laughed me off. Now nah, we don't need that. Let's focus on other stuff. And so that's actually, <laughs> quite honestly, that's why I launched my own after leaving there in 2015. I was like, look, there is just no, back then there really wasn't any Pacer podcast, to be honest. Now, my running joke is there's more Pacer podcasts than there are P- Pacer beat writers.
1: <laughs> Which is so true. Definitely. Yeah, it's, it's crazy in 2021 and we're about to be in 2022 to like think about yeah. what it was 10 years ago. But that's exactly what it was. Um, so I was grateful that, that Matt, Matt Taylor kind of welcomed me with open. You know, at that point, he wasn't the voice of the Colts. You know, he was um, kind of the manager of the radio. Radio production over there and was a sideline guy. And, and, you know, him and I just kind of bounced ideas off of each other and we had fun with it. It was a one hour podcast a week. And then during the season, we did kind of some 10, 15 minute updates um, on the the fan. And Lamy would join us on occasion as well. Um, but again, it's just wild to think about what it used to be, and and now if you work in sports media and you don't have a podcast, it's like, are you really living? Right. So that, that that's how it's evolved, and and then Kevin's Corner, which is you know kind of the big podcast that I started on my own. That that's what I did when I um when I first started up with MS, and, and that really has had a nice following, and and I, and I love it, man. I, you know, I, I teach a class at IU, and I've done it for the last couple of years, and you know, students always kind of ask me pros and cons of each medium. I just think the fact that you're on no time restriction on a podcast, um, you know, you can have a conversation like this. You can be interactive and take fan questions like that. It just allows you, I think, a little bit more freedom. Uh, I think each medium has kind of their own strengths and weaknesses, and you know, making sure that the written attention of the reader is there throughout an entire piece can be difficult. Uh, but I think at least for kind of our age generation. I really think podcasts are here to stay and, and, and a variety of them. They can be quick 10 minuters you know, to start a day and recap, you know, sports business journal does a great kind of um, three or four, you know, story period each morning. I love listening to that. And at yeah. the same time, whether it's you interviewing, I think you had the head, head of the gift shop on, if I'm not mistaken, a little bit like I, I enjoyed listening to that. And, um, you know, at the same time, if it's, you know, JJ and Pat Boylan doing sideline guys I love hearing their their insights as well or you know Alex golden setting the pace and you know Tony East and I know I'm forgetting other people but uh, I think you can find your niche and, and kind of run with it
0: I didn't expect to have a full on uh, sports media conversation but it's actually one of one of the things I geek out on like big into uh, Richard Deitch and Andrew Marshan of so many podcasts yeah. and to that point yeah. by the way we haven't mentioned and this is actually the Basically, the only way I consume it, because I'm mostly sleeping during your show, is your show is then on podcast as well. And I like it, too, because the highlight to me about Podcast KB is the fact that you can consume it on your schedule and at your speed. So I'm basically a 2X guy, and I'm doing it on my time. And so that's the thing I really appreciate.
1: Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, I I subscribe. You and I are both pretty nerdy uh, (laughs) to begin with, but I would say definitely nerdy in the podcast world. I mean, yeah, it's pretty scary what my podcast feed looks like. Honestly, with Thanksgiving, I'm thinking to myself, boy, I hope my wife kind of falls asleep in the car at some point tomorrow so I can just dial up some of these podcasts and and (laughs) catch up on some of them. Not that I don't want to talk to her. Um, But, yeah, it it is funny because there is such a variety of it. Um, You know, I'm a huge Notre Dame fan. I think listeners of the show know that. I'm a huge golf fan, so I enjoy – Getting that fix in. But, like, I also want to listen to a variety of Pacers and Colts podcasts because, you know, you guys and and colleagues and everybody can, you know, spark conversation or spark something in my head that I'm like, all right, I'd love to play off that on the show, or I'd love to bring them on the show. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've asked you a question on air that has directly come from me listening to your podcast or reading your work. So, um, yeah, it's a medium that I think provides something great for people that are in the industry like us. But then also for the fan, uh, you know, doing yard work, doing leaves, mm-hmm. working out, whatever. It's such a great medium.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. And uh, it comes a point, last thing on this, that I've sometimes found for some of the broadcasters, I've even muted them and caught up on podcasts during some games that I maybe care less about. Yeah, because that's how I much agree. of a backlog probably uh, so many of us have. The Pacers are in the midst of a home-friendly portion of their schedule at last. And so if you're in the market for Pacers tickets, your first stop should be at Only Indie Tickets because they have tickets for the hard-to-get games when the box office is sold out. Or you can check out Only Indie Tickets for some great deals for many of the weeknight games and score yourself a deal. Then you'll want to come back for Colts, for Butler, or Fever tickets and everything else going on in Indy. All you got to do is punch in OnlyIndieTickets.com and then enjoy the game. All right, let's do pivot to Pacers a little bit. I would like to talk about them, and I do think right now is a great time to do that because how I've put it is they've kind of wrapped up that phase one of their schedule. It was brutal. We know going into it, both being road heavy and the infrequent days off, they really didn't have any true days off during this stretch. And I thought going in roughly 500 might be a win. Let's say for the team, and they're almost there, eight and eleven. And realistically, if you look back at it, there's probably four or five they flushed down the toilet and should have had, starting with the first couple of games, and extending to a you know a road loss at Detroit here uh, a week or so ago. When you talk about the Pacers, you think about the Pacers, KB. There's a lot of directions you can go from your vantage point. What's the biggest thing you're watching or concerned about or frustrated by?
1: Yeah, I would say the biggest thing entering the season I was frustrated by was I felt like they ran it back again. Um, And it seemed like for a second straight uh, coaching um, group that the personnel, you know, to say it was forced down that 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 coach's throat would probably be a bit uh, unfair. But I felt like um, upper management, you know, seems to think that this personnel can get it done. Um, And I really worry about just the health uh, of this core. Um, You know, I, I think when you look at the of of the makeup, there are some really nice players, but you know, I think in their own different ways, guys like Malcolm Brogdon, T.J. Warren, Karis Levert, hell, even Miles coming out of Texas, you know, there were legitimate concerns about their health. And I think hoping for health is a very uh, wishful thinking. And we've obviously seen the injury bug I'm still bite this team big time here in that first phase of the season, like you said. Um, so it seems like you know, waiting for the starting five to be healthy, or you know, it's gonna get. The- Eventually, like you know, it's just it's a bit like, hey, you know, I'm gonna play Augusta National eventually. No, it's probably not gonna happen, Kevin. So, um, you, you hate for that like reality to be there, but I think uh, that should have been acknowledged a little bit more in the off season. Having said that, I, I was very intrigued by the Rick Carlisle hiring and that he clearly saw something here that he wanted, which for a person of his resume, and you would think he would have had kind of his hand pick of choices, mm-hmm. um, what seven or eight, I think, openings in in the offseason, the fact that he you know, kind of sought this out and wanted this, uh, that that did send a message to me about, okay, well, you know, I, I'm intrigued to see what, what, what he sees in it. So like you said, if you would have told me at the start of the year where would they be after about 20 games, it's probably where I thought they would be. Um, I also feel like the Eastern Conference is at a level that I don't know the last time I've seen it have this much quality depth throughout the conference. Um, So that is a worry, I think, because you're climbing an uphill battle. um, And you also just got to climb teams. You know, I would say normally three games under 500 at about 20 games, you know, some years that would put you in, you know, the seventh spot or something like that. And now as we record this, I want to say the Pacers are like 13th, I think it is. Yep. In the East. So um, now, at. At the same time, I think you've seen some moments for Miles Turner you really like. Chris Duarte, obviously a tremendous start. I'm um, still kind of waiting for Karis Levert, I think, to, you know, maybe play at the can he be an all-star for you type of level. Um I'd love to see Isaiah Jackson, you know, healthy because I think he's a kind of a mold out of clay guy that I'm very intrigued by as well. And I think this stretch coming up, nine to ten at home. If you are gonna be a legit, you know, we're gonna be in the playoff mix this season you know this is a 10 game stretch where you know 7 and 3's kind of got to be the bare minimum.
0: Yeah, to mention first of all the health and they basically took a gamble on so many of these guys that had those pre-existing conditions and that's partly I think what they tried to lock into and and being able to keep guys here is hey, we'll we'll bet on you. We'll we'll take a chance on you and right now it's been tough because you mentioned the core we haven't seen that core ever start together, including Karis LeVert, because T.J. Warren has been out for going on a year now, and we're due for an update here shortly because it's been his three-week mark where he's getting his regular scans. You mentioned Karis LeVert, I'm not sure if it's even out just yet, but he's back on a minutes restriction with his back. And so that's something he has to be concerned, uh, I think, a little bit with. You'd be cautious about... I just think right now, and this is a little bit concerning, but basically two of your core players in, in Karis LeVert and Chris Duarte are playing through injuries, and even if they sat out, I'm not sure two weeks would be enough. Um, I was watching Chris Duarte at shoot-around here uh, yesterday, meaning Wednesday, and uh, every time he shot, he kind of reached down, and it's almost like it's more of an elbow, bicep area. That's where he was holding himself rather than his right shoulder. I'm like, oh goodness, just imagine this continuing on for another 60 games. That's not what you want uh, as your rookie career. So, we're obviously looking at injuries. You're looking at um, year five with Sabonis and Turner, and I think many are kind of tired of that pairing. It's year three when they're starting together, and it's shown that they're still playing an old-school style. I was looking up stats on Synergy, Kevin, and, and it's just, they need more shooting. They're, they're like top three in the league and in um, shots in the paint and, and um, just old-school basketball, and so it feels like a big change will be coming. It's just a matter of Will it come in the off season or will they try to make a move by the trade deadline? Because to their credit, they have tried to make a couple of moves, but in fairness, their roster is terrible. And so generally speaking, and so yes, you, you can call the 76ers about Ben Simmons all you want. They're going to laugh at you. And so that's basically the position the Pacers have been in for a couple of months.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great point that you bring up. And and to me, I'm kind of waiting for that big move. You know, I think, you know, to, to truly try and, and get back to the level you were in the Paul George era, um, you got to take a risk. Um, and, and I think there's kind of a level of complacency with this personnel that they continue to fall back on of like, hey, the health is going to be there, the health is going to be there. Um, the move that I you know really wanted to see in the offseason was moving one of the bigs. I've probably been a little bit more move Turner than Sabonis. Um, I like Turner as a player. I, I think he can be very effective for you, and I think mm-hmm. he's shown you signs of that. Where I've been more of the move Turner is because I look at – if you look at Turner and Sabonis and then you look at Goga, to me, Goga's skill set is much similar – to Miles than it is to Domas. I think Domas is one of the more unique big guys in the league. I know he struggled with some turnovers this year, but I think when this offense is at its peak, they, they're facilitating a whole lot with him. Um, He's shot in the ball, I think, a little bit better from behind the arc as well, So, and obviously his rebounding. Now, you would certainly lose a lot on the defensive end, you know, moving Miles, but again, like... When Gogo was drafted, Scott, I remember being in the Pacers facility that night, and, and, and I would, I think the first thing Kevin Pritchard said was, we feel like his rim protection can translate from day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like we're kind of waiting still for that. Uh, but with him, a little bit of Isaiah Jackson, it just seems like there are some players in this roster that, again, could have a similar role to Miles, not to the level of him. Um, and, and you brought up a point earlier. I don't think this team is dynamic enough in the backcourt or on the wing. Um, So I think that's where the upgrade would have occurred. Um, Now, I think the time is ticking, though. I mean, you know, Miles Turner's in a contract year next year, if I'm not mistaken. So you lose all leverage after this year's trade deadline. Um, So unless you make a move before the trade deadline with him specifically, and I believe Sabonis, I think, has another year after that, you're really not going to have any sort of leverage um, in big bargaining chip and dangling him if you do indeed want to do it this offseason um so I I, I've mentioned this several times I just feel like from a resource standpoint too many of your assets are playing center um and I kind of throw Isaiah Jackson into that group and I consider him you know somewhat of an asset I don't know if he's a top 10 asset but I don't think you get much further than that and you would call him that based off what you gave up for him it was a first round pick he's young all those things um I when you have four of your top 12 13 assets that play like center maybe a stretch four and that's a big maybe uh that's not how you build a championship type of team and and championship type of team i don't know maybe that's not realistic but just getting back into the top half of the eastern conference playoff picture winning playoff games being somewhat of a threat to advance in the playoffs i think that should be very uh very attainable goal and to me unless you move one of those bigs i don't see how this current roster gets there
0: obtainable and reasonable yeah it's not realistically they're probably just not going to be a championship contending team unless they strike gold in the in the draft like the Milwaukee Bucks did and then players want to play with you no matter where you are and so the challenge has just been trying to replace Paul George in my mind because they haven't been they haven't had that position even before PG they they did with Danny Granger for example and so I, I feel like that's that's the area they truly need to find a a. a a stopgap, a guy out there, because it it goes on both ends of the floor. It goes in late in games. How about getting a key stop? Like They're missing something there, and I would still argue, too, uh, a big, weak point is not having a true point guard out there, something I go back to. Jamal Tensley is the last true point guard, Um, and you see maybe if you got a true point guard, Kevin, then you could it'd be easier to tolerate moving Domas because Domas is almost more the point guard on the floor running the offense through him. There's a variety of ways this team can go, but I think it's clear to all of us that there needs to be at least a couple big changes because we don't need to watch. I think this is part of the fan problem in addition to the fans being unable to watch it on local streaming, uh, especially people our age uh, more than anything. But we don't need to watch the movie four times going on year three or four now. We have already seen it.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit of the same book, different authors, I guess, if you want to throw the head coach yep. analogy in there as as the authors of the book. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of where, where I'm at. You know, I feel like late in games, I look out on the floor too many times and think the Pacers don't have the best player on the floor. Um, and I think when you get into those you know, one, two possession games late in the fourth quarter, not having that best player and when that best player is 98% of the time a guard or a wing – that's where it shows up more for you. I, I think a big storyline of the season, obviously we haven't seen it yet. He's been inconsistent, and clearly the back injury is hindering him. I thought if Karis Levert can prove to be an all-star, that could all of a sudden change a whole lot of my thinking with this group. Um, I, I just I think you need that. I'm not sold on Brogdon being that catalyst point guard of the future. I think you fall in, in a similar boat there. T.J. Warren's injury history and, Hal Brogdon's injury history speak for themselves. Right. But you know, can Levert be... An all-star on a playoff-caliber team. Now, again, he hasn't shown that yet, but that to me is such a critical, critical piece that if this current group is ever going to turn into something of substance, that to me is an absolute must. You know, going back to the draft, full transparency, I, I wanted the Pacers to be more aggressive. You know, I I, I kind of called it a-, a you know a, a safe base hit. Um, If you're looking at it from a baseball sense and given Kevin Pritchard's draft history, I (laughs) realized why, why, why that was the path to go down. I like Chris Duarte. I actually think I had Oregon in the final four because I watched him a few times last year and think of myself, this kid is tremendous. And like, I don't, you know, I think Iowa was a two seed. I wasn't sold on them, but I felt like when you draft at 13, it's the chance to swing for the fences um, so I was kind of thinking, all right, do you move up? You know, you know, Jalen Suggs falling to five, or I wasn't a big Scotty Barnes guy, but obviously he's had a great start. Um, I know a lot of people thought maybe Moses Moody, given his age, if the Pacers would have stayed, and they did stay there at at 13. Now, Duarte obviously has been a great pick by, by all accounts, and, and looks to be a really good player, even though he has hit this rut here with his injury. Um, but again, it kind of goes back to my, to get to the Paul George level, you've got to take a big swing and it just seems like organizationally they, I'm sure they've looked into it, but actually pulling the trigger on a big risky swing hasn't been there. And I think until they take that risk, it's going to have a defined ceiling. And that ceiling to me um, is not where it needs to be. When you look at the Eastern conference and the, and the depth of the Eastern conference right now.
0: Well put. And I think we can end on this. How much do you hear or feel with your radio show? Kind of apathy with Pacer fans. I, I kind of referenced where IU was even last year, a couple years ago. Just some fans, uh, at least up until this last week, were kind of, oh, good. I'm glad I can't watch because I'm missing out on, uh, on how they're playing and it hasn't been good and, and those sorts of things. Oh, here we go with the injury bug, that type of thing. Do you, do you feel that, hear that from your listeners as well?
1: Yeah, I I think that's really fair. I definitely do hear that. Um, I think there's a lot of factors that play into the lack of attendance. Um, Yes, I think some apathy and some just disappointment in the fact that they did run it back again and not do anything from a substantial standpoint. I mean, sure, I know people will be like, well, you know, we don't really care about the NBA team until the new year. Well, there's a lot of NFL NBA markets where, you know, there's multiple teams in the same market and the attendance for the NBA team is still at a pretty high level. Um, I know a lot of people you know, bring up you know, kind of, well, the NBA is too you – know, they talk too much about social issues and it's too – I'm thinking to myself, if you really pay attention, the Colts talk a whole lot more about social issues than, than the Pacers. Yeah. And yet you know, I, I don't see a lack of you know, apathy when it comes to the Colts. So I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Obviously, just the lack of working downtown. I mean, certainly, I know you and I are downtown a lot more than others, so maybe we don't feel it as much. But I'm also thinking to myself like, didn't the pandemic hit other NBA cities? Like, shouldn't there be a lack of people working downtown, you know, all over the U.S. in those markets? So I, I just I don't have a great answer on the attendance, you know, standpoint. Um, I, I don't think it's very black and white. I, I think there's a whole lot of gray area, and you know, people kind of pointing at different reasons for that. You know, I've talked to people who are longtime season ticket holders, and they just feel like prices are at an extraordinarily le- level when, when the product doesn't meet that, you know, I, I don't know the exact price and breakdown of season tickets and whatnot. I'm sure that plays into it. If it's, you know, if it's not a corporate expense, you know, it, it, you know, that's a, that's a big, big time purchase to be, um, to be had there. So I'll be very curious to see if the new year things change, if they can get above 500 to me, I, you know, the old adage, if you win, people show up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still adamant about that, obviously. Um, but we'll see if they can get things turned around.
0: When can we look for you on HBO Hard Knocks? Do you know what uh, episode
1: you may appear on? <laughs> oh boy, you sound they... like Jake right now. Um, <laughs> I, I I believe so. We are recording this, uh, you know, just before. Uh, I guess it's late on Wednesday afternoon. So the next episode of Hard Knocks airs tonight, and and I do believe there might be a scene or two from uh, from our radio studio. That'd so be a hell of a I don't know for me, how though. long uh, they will be showing us. I can't imagine that that they will be having us on there. for for too long. Again, you you and I are nerds with this, Scott. It's funny. Like they were in studio recording for probably about two hours a couple Mondays ago. And Jake and I just debated kind of off air. Like they might use five to ten seconds of that footage. And it just like goes to show like everything that is put into these episodes of Mm -hmm. how much Footage is left on the cutting room floor, and obviously, you know, we are by no means featured or anything like that. It's simply just another voice and involving fans and things like that to kind of have a little bit of additional, um, you know, whatever kind of side angles, if you will with these stories. So yeah, it does sound like episode two might, might have a cameo.
0: Good choice on by me to have you on for this Thanksgiving episode. Then the timing <laughs> works out well. And, and you're exactly they right. Were great. And
1: all, in, in all seriousness, they were, they were really, really down to earth. The, 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 uh, the hard knocks people. And I don't think it's as big of a distraction as some people w- want to make it out. And I, I don't know about you, Scott, but like, I was never in like to get off my lawn about hard knocks. Like the NFL is much more secretive in my opinion than the NBA. And as a Colts fans, you're getting 45 minutes of unique content about your football team, a commercial two months. Yep. Like, I mean, that that's awesome. Like, okay. It was too much about babies. It was, you know, I don't believe those mic'd up scenes were, were, were exactly real, blah, blah, blah. It's like, God, can we, can we just enjoy there is unique content on your football team and you're getting a peek behind the the curtain that 31 other NFL teams are not getting. Like I love behind the scenes stuff. So I'm probably more of a sucker for it than, than most, but I think it's really cool. You and I are lucky that our credential, you know, gets us places that a ton of fans would, would love to be. And hard knocks takes that to the nth degree. So I'm enjoying it. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how long that it, but it continues here.
0: Can't find the negative in everything, and I know some people right. do. But you're, you're absolutely right. The fact that they come in, and it's really, quite honestly, it takes care of your fan base generally because they're going to be able to see their team in a different light. And outside of that, it's a commercial. And it works for me. I'll say, watching previous years, I took a liking into the first team that comes to mind from, it's Cleveland and Baker Mayfield and that quarterback group and with the RV or whatever's out back and that the hut-hut from the, I don't know, offensive line coach. Someone like me would take a greater interest, and it also goes back to the Manning cast, whereas generally I'm probably not going to tune into a random Monday night football game, Giants and Raiders. I just won't. I can't turn off the Manning cast. And so, again, it's a commercial for the league, commercial for the team, and uh, has worked out nicely um, for all of them. KB, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Hope you and your family have a great Thanksgiving and uh, continued success with the show.
1: You bet, man. Always enjoy your work. No one does it in a more diligent manner, so I appreciate that. And uh, you coming on our show, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and all the uh, all the listeners of Fieldhouse Files.